Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, What the f are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Buckle up, Sodomites. Welcome to the Sinister Sissies podcast, your guide to true crime, horror and everything sinister, hosted by two gay guys from Australia. I'm Paul Carp, and I'm joined by the man who by now needs no introduction. He wants Satanism protected by religious freedom laws. He watches hell-themed pornos for continuity errors. It's Jared Bartle. Yay, Paul is back. Woo! Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, no, good to be back. I've been in Spain and Portugal for like three weeks. He's been enjoying life and I've been staying where I am. I hope the listeners can, like, hear the tan. I hope yes. my voice sounds tan. more tan. Sorry, I haven't made comment on your tan. You are very tan. You are very tan. Fishing for compliments here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I also, I also uh, got uh, the listeners uh, a gift, which was uh, I got a poem done at one of those. Uh, they, they sit on typewriters. They're like fast poets and you give them a theme and they, like, bash a poem out. So I did one of those in Madrid on the theme of zombie. A, a uh, poem in Espanol. It is in Espanol. Um, you're going to serenade us in Espanol. Yes, we've got about five stanzas here, all in Espanol. I think I might just read the first one out in Espanol so you can tell... Uh, How terrible your Spanish is. <laughs> yeah, all the language difficulties I would have had on holiday. And then, and then courtesy of Google Translate, uh, I, will, I will give you an English translation of the poem. So. Awesome. Zombie by Pablo Urizal Hoy es noche de pumas abiertas, de grietas e gritos, de salir corriendo sin importar la dirección. Okay, Oof. don't worry, you won't need to speak Spanish to understand this. No, our audience loved it. They're because like the thoroughly wonders, wanking right now. The wonders of Spanish Google voice. Translate have, uh, have brought me this translation. Today is the night of open tombs, of cracks and screams, to run away regardless of direction. Today, the dead rise, looking for redemption, food and meat. Today, there is no wire that cages the swarm of souls in pain. There is no blow or cave to use protection. Today, there is a full moon, thirsty for putrefaction, slow walks against the metropolis. 
today is night and death has come to visit me, I give my imagination. Ooh, thirsty for putrefaction. Oh, I can't even say that word. Putrefaction. Putrefaction? Yeah, it, in Spanish it rhymes protección with putrefaction. So that, that was my, my favourite rhyme in the poem too. Thirsty for putrefaction. That's, I'm into it. <laughs> so the poet there was Pablo Urizal. Thank you, Pablo Urizal. I hope he has Twitter. I hope he has Twitter. Yeah, at Pablo. Actually, I don't want to recommend the Twitter without knowing what's on it. (laughs) Cool. That was awesome. Uh, So Paul is back and he is also running the show today. Uh, Paul, we might might leave it open-ended as to what we're talking about. But Paul, give us an introduction of our topic today. Uh, well, we're talking about a high-profile murder case I- in Sydney uh, I- from September 2013, um, and it-, it occurred on the, the Lower North Shore in uh, Neutral Bay uh, in Sydney, uh, and it was a case that got a lot of media attention, um, you know, featured in Media Watch bashing up on the tabloids for having, you know, presented the the crime is too sensational and perhaps uh, victim blaming. So it's, it's, it's already a case that's had some, some, some media interest. So that's how I found out about it. So what's the story? So it's a murder. Who was killed? The victim was called Morgan Huxley. He's a 31 year old male uh, who was found by his housemate stabbed more than 21 times uh, in his apartment in neutral Bay. Um, And the media reports uh, reflected the initial police case theory, which was that it was a crime of revenge, and so they were focusing on his friends and known associates. Why did they? Why did they think revenge, or why did they think it was someone close to the victim? So the victim was found in a state of undress, uh, which suggested that there was a sexual motive to the crime. He'd been, at a, he'd been at a party with friends uh, and had, like, stopped in at the Oaks Hotel to have one last drink while uh, his friends had gone home. So the roommate, the roommate uh, thought that someone was, someone was uh, joining Huxley, that a female friend of his was joining him, um, but then heard uh, strange noises that weren't consistent with, um, consistent with him snoring and it was, it was him choking uh, on blood from, from having been stabbed. And the media speculation uh, reflected the case theory that they were looking for a female killer, um, that it was, uh, you know, they thought it might be a, a jealous lover of, you know, a good-looking, red-blooded, heterosexual male. And so the reporting was quite sensationalist, you know, implying that he was a ladies' man, a Casanova. Uh, and the, the case featured on Media Watch as an example of, of you know, the tabloids victim-blaming. And this initial narrative of some sort of lady killer um, eventually at some point in the investigation turned into something else. So what actually happened? Yeah, so I guess it's logical that, you know, uh, most uh, violent crimes like that uh, are committed by someone known to the victim. But this is this was not one of those cases. This was a case... Um, where the murderer was completely unknown to the victim. Uh, and after they'd eliminated, you know, uh, friends and associates as suspects, the police identified um, a, a young man called Daniel Kelsall uh, from CCTV uh, who, 
you know, lurked around the takeaway shops um, on Military Road opposite uh, the Oaks Hotel, which is uh, where Morgan Huxley had been drinking that night. And they saw him on CCTV running after uh, Huxley uh, as Huxley was walking home from the pub. So the, the, the theory quickly shifted away from somebody that, that he knew to um, this, this Daniel Kelsall who, who it appears almost kind of stalked the victim. So the, the police called in uh, uh, Kelsall, who they had identified from CCTV, uh, and his first version to police was that he was in the wrong place at the wrong time um, in being caught on CCTV, uh, but he refused to give uh, DNA or fingerprint samples. Um, he then, two weeks later, came back to the police uh, with a second version of what he said happened, which is that he and Huxley uh, had had consensual sex um, and then he left uh, the apartment when uh, when Huxley fell asleep and he saw someone else going into the apartment. So in a very short period of time, he switched from, I had nothing to do with this, I don't, I don't care that you've got me on CCTV, I had nothing to do with this guy, um, and then one reading between the lines could assume uh, expecting at some point to be compelled to give DNA evidence, Kelsall shifts his story and starts saying that, no, no, we actually had consensual sex, um, but that he left him, uh, Huxley, um, whilst he was going to sleep. Yeah, he, he worked out that he was in the frame, that they that they might find DNA his DNA or fingerprints uh, in the apartment, and so he came back with a second version to try and account for that. At trial, it actually morphed into a third version, which is that they were having consensual sex and then an intruder uh, came in and, and assaulted them both and knocked him on the head and, and he ran away and, and Huxley was stabbed by, by this mysterious intruder. So, so before we race to trial, though, so there was obviously sufficient, this behaviour, this behaviour change of... Uh, initially denying anything to do with it and then all of a sudden being like, oh, no, I was actually there on the night because we were having consensual sex. That obviously raised red flags for the police and they would have started to look into Kelsall. Um, what do we know about Kelsall? Uh, so he was born in New Zealand. Uh, he uh, was adopted uh, and he, he came to Australia, uh, I think in his teens, and by this stage he was working as an apprentice chef um, at a cooking school uh, on, on Military Road in Neutral Bay. So a lot of knives. Yeah, he had access to a lot of, a lot of knives, yeah. Mm. He was also um, a sci-fi nerd, uh, sci-fi and fantasy. Uh, it was what he enjoyed reading. Uh, not that there's anything wrong with that. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Uh, and after um, he was convicted of the murder, he also... Uh, got uh, convicted for having animated anime uh, child exploitation material. So Possibly something wrong with that. That's why it's a crime. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, he was found with uh, child pornography. It was animated child pornography, but child pornography on on his computer. And I think as well, and correct me if I'm wrong, they also found that he'd been visiting um, kind of gore websites um, and been watching kind of live violence and things like that. So that kind of 
raised a few red flags in terms of the investigators. Kelsall has uh, ha- had admitted later to having fantasies of of killing a, a random stranger and had actually um, both before and after this crime um, followed a similar pattern in in stalking other people. Um, so it reminds he, me of uh, reminds me of Dharma and the the jogger type scenario. Mm, giving but, it a dry run. Yeah. yeah. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how get 30, how get 20, 20, 20, how get 20, 20, how get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Yeah. Uh, so he 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 was in his early twenties uh, when he, I, I think twenty or twenty one when he committed the murder, and he moved from New Zealand two years earlier. So he'd been here for two years. I believe he had family here, at least from listening to the police interviews. Um, it seemed that he was living with family at the time, and he committed this crime when he was quite young, really. So he committed the crime at. 20 yeah 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 um quite a quite a slight slim looking guy as well and i think that may have baffled the investigators a bit is that kelsell um it'd be hard to say that he looks like some sort of uh, intimidating aggressive type person he's quite a slight twinky type bill so kelsell is a very slight uh weedy baby-faced um and the victim, bigger, stronger, um, but he was, you know, sleeping and had been drinking and was caught unawares and and, the, and Kelsall had a knife and was able to stab him 20 times. And a lot of our understanding of Kelsall's psychology is purely speculative because even though we're talking in the tense that he, that he did it and, you know, spoilers, he was actually convicted of this crime... Uh, he has has never admitted to committing the crime. Yeah, well, because he's uh, offered up, uh, uh, because his defence consisted of offering up a series of, um, you know, uh, alternative theories and, you know, mysterious intruders and and someone else killed him and all the rest of it. Yeah, he didn't opt for for, um, admitting guilt and showing contrition to try and get a shorter sentence, no. So we don't know why he did it, except he 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 did fantasize about killing killing a stranger and did have a pattern of stalking other men that were like the victim. Well, he was diagnosed with Asperger's bipolar autism and depression, but I don't want to suggest that. Oh, that, I wasn't aware of know, that. Did that was that diagnosis at the trial? Uh. No, I think he'd. I think he'd already had diagnoses because he was, um, had been. He'd been. Uh, di- he'd been prescribed an antidepressant, um, and an antipsychotic medication. Okay, so. so maybe there's yeah. So he was being treated for a pre-existing illness. Um, although again, yeah, we don't want to be conflating those sorts of uh, very common mental illnesses with anything violent. 
Um, but yeah, without him admitting to guilt or explaining his own reasoning, it's actually quite hard for us to get inside the mind of a killer like Kelsall. So there was a trial in 2015 uh, where Kelsall, um, again, shifted his story for the first time, saying that uh, not only did he have cons consensual sex with the victim, but that during a particular sexual act that there was some sort of intruder. Um, that's where that kind of outrageous story comes into the mix. Uh, not very believable, and in fact, the jury did not believe it at all. Uh, yeah, so he, his DNA was found on Huxley's penis and there was a, a matching uh, fingerprint uh, from uh, his ring finger on, on his bedroom door. So um, he, he was he was correct uh, that he would eventually be placed at the scene um, by DNA and other forensic evidence. Uh, but, yeah, the jury uh, did not buy the um, shifting uh, excuses that, that there was some other uh, intruder who'd committed the crime. And it took... Um, just more than two hours for them to convict him. It was a 40-year jail sentence with a 30-year uh, non-parole period. Okay, so he was going away for, for quite a long time. I uh... Yeah, his, his lawyers then came back uh, two years later in 2017 and argued that the sentence should be reduced um, because it would help rehabilitation and, you know, good behaviour and the rest of it if he had um, some incentive to... Um, get out sooner uh, mm. with a shorter non-parole period. But I don't know if that was successful and uh, because I haven't found news reports about whether it was successful. Makes me think probably not. It would be surprising given that if he's still maintaining that he didn't commit the crime, I would be very surprised if they mitigated his sentence just from my experience. Um, that would be, would be interesting to see. I think there's something interesting because I had actually never heard of this case. And do you think it was the case that the media had more interest when it was the lady killer case than when it became came a gay man as a killer? Did you, do you reckon there was a difference there in terms of the reporting? Mm, I think tabloids uh, have an interest uh, in crimes that have um, a, a sexual motivation and... Uh, you know, a good-looking victim. Um, and uh, I'm sure it was embarrassing for them when the initial uh, police theory proved incorrect and the initial reporting proved incorrect. But um, I, I imagine it would have garnered a, a high degree of interest uh, regardless of the profile of the killer. So Daniel Kelsall, kind of one of the very rare, actually, uh, gay male killers that we have on the books in Australia, at least. Um, when I first started to look into doing this podcast, I was trying to look for more Australian-based killers that are sexually interesting. It's the word I prefer. Uh, and actually, we have we have a higher proliferation of lesbian killers than we do of gay male killers, at least on my my findings. Oh well, th thanks for pointing that out because I mean. Uh, I'm interested in this case from the perspective of whether or not uh, there is such a thing as a separate category of gay crime or, 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 and whether it's possible to have a like gay motivation for a crime, but it's important not to 
pathologize homosexuality and and so thank you for contextualizing the fact that Paul is too gay, precious gay, <laughs> gay, gay, gay men are are, are not uh, are not natural born killers or, or, or the most common killers we, we should do we should do an episode on one of these on, on one of the lesbian killers what are they like look at look at you trying to get woke points just like we should we should really center women in our true crime discussions I already have woke points I'm just I'm just burnishing my credentials <laughs> Um, it is a point as well that, you know, you were talking about the fact, is there such thing as a, a distinctly gay motivated crime or a distinctly gay motivated murder? I suppose the answer to that in this particular case is yes. If his sexual orientation was the motivation for the sexual violence or the, the, the violence in this situation, then that's probably a gay motivated murder but i don't know if this kind of thrill seeking kill thrill killing type behavior is any different when it's gay men as opposed to heterosexual men at least there's nothing in this case that seemed to separate it out from you know the unfortunately quite quite uh voluminous set of cases that we have of men who target uh women heterosexual men who target women and then murder them there seems to be quite a similar pattern of behavior Mm. It depends whether you think it's um, he had a fantasy about killing a stranger and then um, he was opportunistic about who it was and the details of, of the victim being heterosexual and good looking is just, you know, coincidental or, or whether or not uh, you think that uh, that he, he selected the victim because of a particular sexual interest and we we don't we don't know that and it is and it is worth pointing out that yeah plenty of plenty of straight men do awful things like that too and occasionally lesbian killers in australia many of which are vampires really <laughs> lesbian vampire killers okay there's only so there's been two okay this is a tangent so two there's is been... many what <laughs> well two is a lot like as of of the intersection of lesbian vampire killer. <laughs> and in terms of what we're going to be doing in future podcasts, uh, I was so intrigued with uh, all that material about Satanism that you brought up uh, when we were talking about Gaal. So can that be our next project? Yeah, absolutely. Hail Satan. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Sinister Sissies podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Sinister Sissies. You can also follow us individually at Jared Bartle and at Paul underscore Carp. We've also recently set up a Patreon, so if you like what we're doing and you want to support us, go to patreon.com slash sinister sissies. I hope to see you next time and stay sinister. <laughs>